welcome to Resilience Unraveled. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Thackeray. This podcast is the result of my fascination with health issues, resilience, performance, mental health, accountability, and critical thinking, along with many of the other obsessions I bump into in my life. I spend my time working with highly successful teams, organizations, and people, and this podcast introduces their remarkable stories, as well as my synthesis of the key issues, tips, and strategies to thrive in life. If you find this podcast useful, you can also find other information at qedod.com or russellthackeray.com. Stay tuned to the end for details of how to order a free ebook. Enjoy the podcast. So today I'm talking to Katerina Furman. I've been looking forward to this um, conversation for a little while for a variety of reasons, but um, I met Katerina professionally um, working around the area of hypnosis. And um, Sheena had all sorts of interesting conversations. She has a particular um, methodology she uses, which is different and interesting. And I thought it'd be really interesting for people to hear a little bit about her story, but also what she gets up to. And um, I'm sure you're going to pick up loads of interesting stuff. So hi, Katerina. Hello, Russell. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to be here with you today and talk about hypnosis and resilience and how those two things can work together. Brilliant. And um, with your exotic name, you must be somewhere exotic in the world today. So where are you? <laughs> well, um, I am in London, but, um, you know, as you can tell from my very exotic name, I am Russian. So if you guys can hear any uh, unusual accent, well, that's, uh, you know, where it's coming from. Excellent. Well, how do you introduce yourself, Katerina? What do you tell people you do? If you're at a party and say, hi, Katerina, what do you do? What do, you do? How do you describe it? Well, I like putting a little bit of suspense um, and I say that I help people with their dreams and their struggles and then I pause and then everybody's like starts, you know, coming up with their thoughts and thinking um, and then I go like, I'm a hypnotherapist. And it's very interesting how people react to that because some people start turning away, you know, covering their eyes and say, oh, no, 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 please don't hypnotize me. Um, and sometimes it can be quite, uh, quite funny to watch. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I do at the parties. And then obviously people immediately go, oh, can you hypnotize me? Mm. Um, so, and, and then from that moment on, the host knows that uh, the table conversation is sorted, the entertainment for the night is sorted, and then, you know, this is how I get invited to, <laughs> to dinner parties. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're a popular guest. <laughs> Absolutely, entertainment value. But you've not always been a hypnotherapist, have you? What was your prior sort of life all about? Well, um... I, um, after graduating from the university, I, I actually have a degree in, in psychology, I'm, I'm, I have a master's in psychology, I went off a business kind of avenue and um, I joined one of the multinationals and I had a, you know, pretty successful multinational uh, career, which, you know, got me to London um, a good few years ago. Uh, but at a certain point, um, I just realized that it was not making, you know, I wasn't excited to get out of the bed every morning and, you know, go to the office and um, it just all didn't feel I was really, you know, like leaving my purpose. I know it may sound quite dramatic, but that's exactly how I felt. So I decided to go back to the, to my roots and, you know, do 
psychology leading me to hypnotherapy. And, but I think that's really great because it, that that perspective you have of working in the commercial world is, is really important, isn't it? Both as a, a um, you know, someone who's been an executive in a large organization, because actually you've got a lot more in common with some of the practitioners who wouldn't ever just been hypnotists because, or hypnotherapists, because you've got that real life experience, haven't you? Absolutely. And um, it's real life experience, both on the um, work side of things and also on the personal side of things. You can only, you know, um, you, you're only as good as the experience that you have combined with obviously the knowledge and you know experience of helping people as well but your personal experience really enriches you and you can understand people so much better and be compassionate and compassion you know is is such an important element in any helping profession so i'm i'm quite uh, lucky i guess uh, to have that good so when you're at a dinner party and people are saying Oh, are you going to hypnotize me? Um, are you able to hypnotize someone who doesn't want to be hypnotized? Um, not someone who does not want to be hypnotized. And um, obviously, in the context of dinner party, you know, people start, you know, testing you and, and bluffing and like, oh, you can't hypnotize me. Hey, let, let's do, you know, let, let's try. Um, and when the person has such an attitude, of course, um, there is nothing you can do. Hypnosis is not a magic power that you just, you know, project on people and take their will and, you know, can manipulate them. Absolutely not. Um, hypnosis is what a person who is willing to be hypnotized is doing to themselves. So I just give them instructions, like guidance, um, you know, do this, close your eyes, imagine this, you know, relax that. And um, if they follow the guidance, they will go into hypnosis. Mm. It's like it's like a dance. I quite like the, the comparison. So if two people want to tango, that's perfect. There will be, you know, beautiful tango. If one person does want and their partner d does not want to tango, then the first one can you know, drag the second one around the dance floor and but it could be anything but a dance. Same with hypnosis. Um, if someone does not want to be hypnotized, well, I can only, you know, crack a few jokes and uh, um, not, uh, not do that with them. Um, I, I prefer hypnotizing people who really want to give it a good go and see how powerful their imagination can be. Mm -hmm. And, and I think a lot of people think about hypnotherapy as something around weight loss, smoking cessation, um, feeling generally better, you know, sense of well-being, blah, 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 blah. But, you, but actually, you, you've linked it to this idea of um, thinking about your goals and, and um, you know, planning, like an end-of-year review, thinking about the new year type of thing. So I, I know you've got this new idea of uh, the sort of phenomena of F-O-M-O-M-G, which I love. I'm still working out how you pronounce it, but it's a, it's a good mnemonic, isn't it? So tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, um, I, uh, we, we have, um, in the society, there has been a conversation about fear of missing out, like formal, right? Yeah. And this is a, a continuation of that, which is fear of missing out on my goals. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's a fairly new phenomenon, but actually it's already made, made it to the, um, to the pages of BBC, um, who I think ran a, a small piece on it a couple of months ago. Um, and actually it's, um, it's, it's become an epidemic um, because people start, um, obviously, you know, people have always set goals for themselves and either achieved them or, you know, had some partial success. But uh, in the modern world, this has become an epidemic of setting the goals and achieving them and, um, you know, uh, talking all over social media about it. And obviously, you know, uh, people uh, love being selective when they tell the stories of their personal achievements to, to, you know, to, to others. So, and social media actually provokes that, you know, yeah. the glossing over the reality, sometimes even, you know, unintentionally or subconsciously. Uh, but people do that a lot. And um, everyone becomes exposed to it. So, uh, you know, you open, open your Facebook feed, you know, in December, and everybody's like, oh, let me reflect on my achievements from, from this year. Mm -hmm. um, and people start sharing amazing stories, you know, their career successes, wonderful journeys, um, breakthrough in relationships, some personal challenges, new healthy habits, you know, and, and the list can go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone who either have not done that or have not done the same review or had a particularly challenging year or, you know, just has a challenging situation in life generally looks at that and goes oh my god I'm a loser mm -hmm. and it's just very very difficult to resist that thought because you're just surrounded by those amazingly successful people and because um, we are global now we're a global world you know if you think about uh, I don't know a few decades ago your personal achievements, you know, you would share it with, with few people. And same, you would hear achievements about achievements of a few people. And if you know someone from your village who has become, you know, amazingly successful, that would be, a, you know, an exception. But now you're surrounded by a flow of amazing success stories from all around the world. So, so, so just to clarify this, you're not suggesting that everybody suffers from the FOMO thing because actually many people don't, do they? So are you more likely to susceptible fear of missing out on your goals if you're already more likely to have a tendency to have a, um, a set of thoughts around fear of missing out? Um, I would not necessarily link it to a fear of missing out. I think, um, and... Um, you know, being prone to this fear of missing out on your goals is, think of it as a scale, sliding scale. At, a, at some point you can be at zero and not being bothered by these things at all. But sometimes you will be, you know, more, more susceptible to that. Right. And everyone, everyone is somewhere on this scale. And if you don't recognize that in yourself well congratulations fantastic but it's helpful to be aware of this so you can watch this creeping and catch it before it really you know becomes a um something that will get in the way right you, you know uh 
feeling positive about yourself and your own achievements. So, so in a sense, you're saying that anyone, anyone could be susceptible to this. So, so no one's, you know, you, 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 you can develop an, immu- an, an, an immunity to it, but actually there is a risk for everybody in, you know, having this, having this set of unhelpful thoughts that can develop over the course of time. Is there a particular trigger? Or is, do you think it is social media? Um, I think social media provides fertile environment. Right. Um, the trigger is everyone is, is personal to, to everyone. Um, some people might be immune to this until some point and then they see a particular thing or something happens in their life or they become generally stressed about something and their, so to say, psychological immunity, uh, you know, uh, psychological guard goes down a little bit and then they catch this. And um, I will be talking about how to prevent that from happening, um, you know, in the second half of our conversation and um, you know um, I'll be giving some tips and um, uh, how to really build your you know resilience basically Mm. uh, to that um, and what you can do. So if you're if you're experiencing a certain set of thoughts or sensations in your body how do you know it's this fear of missing out on your goals as opposed to something else is there anything specific I mean, would you track it down, for example, to noticing that you've been looking at other people's achievements? Or is there a specific thing that you can look out for in yourself? Mm, that's, that's, that's about it, yes. So you, uh, if you think of all the people's achievements and you catch yourself thinking, oh, I have not done this, or I'm a, right. you know, something yeah. along the lines, I'm a, I'm a loser or something. Yeah. Any thought that uh, when you are being detrimental to yourself, that is a sign of it. I see. And it's not, it's, it's not a, you know, a matter of uh, putting um, a label or, you know, diagnosing, yes, you do have this condition or you don't have this condition. As as I say, it's a sliding scale and it's important to catch the early signs of it, not let it develop into something really, really powerful. Um, and just, you know, just do some prevention, um, you know, techniques at the moment you notice um, those thoughts. So basically, the, if you're beating yourself up, feeling guilty, um, and as you, you know, we've talked about you were saying, sort of that sense of frustration, that's, they're the things you've got to look out for. Um, Pretty much when you're thinking about uh, not achieving something. Hmm. Because sometimes you can be frustrated uh, or uh, unhappy about yourself. Uh, just generally, you know, a, a, a casual situation or something, something has happened or hasn't happened. And you're like, oh, you know, yes. didn't <laughs> do very well there. That's, that's a separate thing. Yeah, it's the comparison. Uh, you... It's the comparison that's the problem, is it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And especially... Um, Comparing yourself to some, you know, best of the best of the best yeah. is not as as bad, right? Uh, you can actually be inspired by them and by their example. But when you look up to your, you know, your neighbor, your classmate, your friend, this is where it becomes really, you know, poisonous pretty much. Yeah. 
Okay, that all that sort of makes sense. And of course, it's particularly interesting this time of year, as you say, because we're recording this in December 2018, and it's it is a time for reflection. This, as you say, a time for people to be bragging about their achievements and thinking about next year as well. And and I guess if you're feeling pretty low in your own sense and your own self, you lose the opportunity to set your own goals potentially because you're too busy judging yourself against people that you know where there's no comparison. That could be one um, one consequence of that, or another could be you set yourself uh, absolutely unrealistic goals because you, you know you look at glossed over stories of people, and you go like, okay, I will just shoot for the moon, and you know, twelve months from now, you you have not landed on the moon. You've landed on the stars, but you missed that out because you were shooting for the moon, and you know, yeah. here comes a negative uh, cycle. It, is, it, it does explain perhaps why people achieve so few of their New Year's resolutions because actually they're, they're maybe built with the wrong motivation because they're built to almost achieve somebody else's life rather than one's own. Um, a New Year resolutions is a very interesting thing. Um, often they are about habits, mm -hmm. habitual behaviours rather than goals as a specific you know achievement goal and there are many other things that go into uh, new re new year resolutions as, as habitual behaviors um so uh, to an extent yes i i agree with you but uh, there is there is a lot more to that okay. i wanted to i wanted to add one thing um that really makes um this you know comparison uh, mechanism so um, so negative and so powerful. We as humans are prone to negativity bias, mm -hmm. and I wanted to specifically talk about that. Mm -hmm. Negativity bias is a mechanism that um, has been installed in us by you know Mother Nature, um, who we know is not the kindest person, um, and. Um, Basically, we as humans are programmed to look at the negative side of things rather than the positive side of things. And from evolution point of view, it made sense. I mean, human beings have been living on this planet for the last 60 plus million years, right? Yeah. And um, the first 65 or whatever were all about survival you know, um, surviving uh, just the predators. And um, it, it, negativity bias was a fundamental survival mechanism. So if you imagine, you know, you're sitting, enjoying the sunset, if you hear, you know, the little noise somewhere and you prefer to focus on it, treat it, uh, um, treat or uh, interpret it negatively, as if it was a danger and you run away, then you survived. You have not been eat, you know, eaten up by someone. So it makes perfect sense. If you ignore that noise and interpret it positively, then chances are you will be eaten by someone. So from survival point of view, it makes perfect sense. So focus, interpret everything as a danger, then your chances of survival increase. All good. The only issue is that in the modern world, that mechanism 
is not always needed. And what is needed is focus on positive side of things because our challenges have transformed fundamentally from basic survival to, you know, psychological well-being. There is no danger to your physical survival anymore, but there, there are new challenges of adapting to social, you know, uh, groups and living as a society and then so on and so forth. So, but obviously because 60 million years versus, I don't know, couple hundred maybe years, maybe hundred um, years tops is a very different time frame. We have not yet changed. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to be aware of that negativity bias. So people fundamentally focus on negative things in all the situations, unless they made a conscious decision to focus on positives. That makes sense, doesn't it? Well, try, try it for yourself consciously as a conscious effort and you will notice the change in your thinking and in your behavior. And I suppose we've got a bunch of irrational beliefs that also support that negativity bias as well. Well, that's, that's my favorite topic pretty much. <laughs> um, we do, we do. Um, as, um, again, as, as human beings, when we, when we grow, um, we pick up various beliefs, you know, uh, about ourselves, about this world, about people. Um, and um, when we come to this world, you know, a child, when, when is, the child is born, um, the knowledge of the world and, and self is, is, is like a clean slate, right? It's tabula rasa, they call it. And all the impressions and experiences, you know, just get imprinted on this tabula rasa. And then lots of various beliefs are formed from those experiences. Mm. Um, and some of these beliefs are good and positive, you know, that the world is good, that a person is, a, is, is you know, is worthy and a good person, etc. And those beliefs help us through our life. Uh, we grow as capable and confident uh, people and, you know, uh, can achieve things. Some of the beliefs, though, um, are the opposite. Um, and uh, it's, it's a matter of constant um, balance between positive beliefs and negative beliefs. Yes. And negative beliefs you know, you can't really point a finger and say, oh, this is because of this or that, or this is the person to blame. It's just the nature of how things happen. Mm. Uh, but those negative beliefs, they are, often they are absolutely irrational. So can you give me an example of a, a negative belief? Um, for example, um, people thinking that they are not worthy. Right. Or they're not lovable. Yeah. And this is something that might stem from oh, just almost accidental things when, you know, uh, grown-ups um, around the child have done something or expressed something in a way that they did not mean at all to compromise the, you know, the worthiness and, um, of, of the child. But it may have, 
have come across like that. For a small child who does not have any critical thinking yet, because mm. they're just too little. And it just gets, they, they just pick up that belief. And once we have a belief, we tend to select information that reinforces the belief. Yeah. So, so I, I understand all that. I get all that. And that all makes really great sense. And I totally agree. But, and I can understand why a lot of the sort of traditional therapies, talking therapies, coaching and all that sort of stuff, how they would attack all these different situations. So why, why use hypnotherapy rather than, say, counselling to tackle a subject? Well, hypnotherapy is a therapy with the use of hypnosis, right? And hypnosis, it's not a method, it's a state of mind. Um, let me just say a few words about hypnosis so the listeners understand what, what I mean uh, by, by that um, before we go any, any deeper. So hypnosis is a state of mind and it is characterized by increased suggestibility. So in this state of mind, we are prone to accept, you know, beliefs, information, suggestions more than outside of this state. Right. So is this a way of being able to suggest a, a more positive way of thinking? Absolutely. Ah. As, as an example, as an example. So when somebody is in the state of hypnosis, basically the critical faculty of our mind is put to rest. So our mind has conscious mind, subconscious mind, and the critical faculty in between them. And without going into the detail and complex, com, you know, complex explanations about the, um, how all these parts work, basically the critical factor is the guardian of information and of any change that will or won't happen with the person's beliefs and self-beliefs. Mm -hmm. And any therapy and talk therapy or hyp hypnotherapy, doesn't matter, any therapy is trying to um, bypass that critical factor in order to install the positive change. But when the person is in hypnosis, it's a lot easier to do. So critical faculty is put to rest. So I understand that makes sense. So you're talking that we have this natural negativity bias. So how would you use hypnotherapy to build your positivity bias? Well, with the, with the use of hypnosis, we'll just get access to those negative beliefs that the person has about themselves or the world. And we just, you know, rewrite them, remove them, make them, turn them into neutral. It's quite difficult to turn negative into positive, but you can neutralize it. And then on top of that, we can suggest some positive things. Does that make sense? It does. So is this a question, therefore, you would build positivity? So you learn the habits of positivity or the way of learning the habits of positive thinking? Um, yes. And you do that, you do that twofold. Because the work, any work, um, 
not only happens you know on the couch of a hypnotherapist yeah any work that you want to any change sorry uh you want to happen you need to leave it and behave it you know behave the way you want and sessions with hypnotherapist help you do that because of the removal of the, all the old beliefs etc and establishment of the new positive ones but you also have to you need to uh consciously behave differently and positively so you need to put some effort into that as well mm-hmm. so it's quite com- it's it's quite a common myth uh, to think that, you know, once you go um, to the uh, hypnotherapy chair or, or couch, um, you know, hypnotherapist just opens, you know, cuts your brain open, reprograms stuff, connects the new things, then, you know, job done, and you are totally renewed without your, um, you know, without your personal effort. It's not quite true. Um, you need to put lots of effort into that as well. Hypnotherapists will do their part of work, absolutely, without any doubt, and it will greatly help you, but you need to do your bit as well. Like with tango, you see, both people need to dance. Hmm, it's interesting. So, so I can see how we're changing the way we think, and I can see how you're accepting this positivity bias. Is there a sort of a general um, way of thinking about mindfulness or another way of being able to bring a peace of mind to people? Mindfulness is a great practice, absolutely. Um, and any, any personal practice that is aimed at, you know, peace of mind is, is, is great to do. What I recommend to my clients, and I practice a lot myself, is self-hypnosis. And it's quite simple, actually. Um, You basically suggest the things that you want to happen to be true for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, You suggest them to yourself. You know, it looks like you just, you know, like lay on the sofa and for five minutes you talk to yourself saying you know i am enough for example Mm -hmm. or i love and and accept myself Mm -hmm. um and so on and so forth you know all the positive things that you want to uh, to be true you know you can tell yourself they are true and the thing is our mind learns from words and images that we you know feed ourselves to right. so if you if you tell yourself oh i'm a loser you know when you see someone on social media achieving something and you have not achieved a similar thing you're like oh i'm a loser you tell yourself you feed yourself with negative thoughts negative things right to neutralize that you know tell yourself i am enough i've achieved a lot this year or whatever the positive thing is and that will gradually, very slowly, there is no silver bullet, you know, here, very slowly and very gradually, you will be reprogramming your mind. And so, and so if we use a traditional goal setting approach, because I, I take your point about New Year's resolutions, obviously being about habits, like I want to lose weight or whatever it is. But let's say we, we move away from a, that behavioral thing and move towards a more goal-setting approach for January. Could we use the hypnotherapy techniques that you've talked about to help 
to help reinforce those so there's a greater chance of those goals being achieved. Oh, absolutely. So what, uh, in fact, what, what might I do to help? What might I do to, to um, help that? Well, there are there are two two ways um, to do that. One is you know self help, and the second one is to see a specialist, right? So uh, um, let's start with the self help. What what you can do for yourself. First of all, um, if you want to you know, achieve something, uh, generally you need to create the environment of accepting yourself, loving yourself to, to allow yourself for that positive thing, you know, to happen and practice that a lot. And the thing that I, you know, said earlier about imagination that we feed uh, our mind with words and pictures, uh, use that. Imagination is a lot more powerful than any knowledge or logical reasoning. If you feed your imagination with words and pictures that are congruent with the goals that you want to achieve, then your mind will find ways to make those goals more achievable for you. Right. So that's one of the things that you can do. I see. Then, Go on, sorry. Yeah, I have a couple more things that I can I can offer. Then uh, what you can also do is uh, create positivity bias as opposed to obviously negativity. So say you have a goal of I don't know um, lo losing losing weight or um, you know some something you want to achieve by by the end of uh, you know, or some career breakthrough or whatever. Focus on Every day, focus on the three things, however small or big they are, these three things that you've done today to make that goal closer and more achievable and write that down. So you, by doing that, you will be focusing on the things that bring that goal closer to you. And what we focus on will grow you will constantly reinforce and you will have some, um, you will have a, a positive feedback loop that will just make it a lot easier for you to progress. And you will be looking at the progress that you've already made and you will feel a lot more positive about it, positive emotion, you know, kicks in, et cetera, et cetera. And before you know it, you progressed a lot more than if you were focusing on the negative. Oh, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's another, whatever to go. It's like with running a marathon. If you focus on the distance that you still need to run, it's a lot more difficult. But right. if you focus on the number of miles that you've already done, it's a lot easier. As simple as that. Yes, that makes sense, doesn't it? So you don't get daunted by the size of the journey, you get inspired by the size of the, the achievement, however small. Exactly, exactly. And um, with all the practices, be it mindfulness or self-hypnosis or, you know, meditation, a very important trick is frequency is more important than length. So you don't need to do, you know, half hour self-hypnosis or mindfulness in one go. It, and by the way, it's quite hard to find that amount of time in the day. Yeah. Um, you can instead, if you split it into three chunks, 
10 minutes each, actually it will have a much bigger effect. Yes. Because of the frequency. And that's, so, and that's, that's really important, isn't it? Because a lot of people think that doing something once, as you say, you know, one session or one bit of meditation and, you know, they're surprised when it hasn't taken hold because you do have to get, you have to build a, build a rhythm, don't you, to the, to the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you, if you think that you absolutely have no time for any mindfulness or whatever, try to do, well, not try, do um, one minute, an hour, every hour on the hour. Yeah. And you will do it, I don't know, 12, 15 times a day. Yeah. And that will be great frequency. That's a very good tip. And I know um, there's a ton of academic research to support that view. And I think a lot of people get very daunted by mindfulness and meditation and hypnotherapy because actually it just seems to take too long. But you're saying actually the reverse is true. Spend less time, do it more frequently and see a better result. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any, any self-practice, um, it follows that, that rule. Excellent. And by the way, um, sorry, just to, uh, to talk about the hypnotherapy, um, actually it's a lot shorter uh, than any other type of therapy because we have the uh, access to subconscious mind. And you, and you practice a different, a different type of hypnotherapy from um, a lot of other hypnotherapists. I mean, firstly, you do a lot of, you know, you do a lot of work online, don't you? I do, I do indeed. Um, well, but that's that's just a you know a, a way of doing it. It's not the method. There is no separate online hypnotherapy as a method. I do same thing, either face to face or online. Uh, but what I like doing, um, you know, uh, practicing my uh, hypnotherapy is I view any issue I view as a multi-layered issue. Right. I see lots of layers and I prefer to work on all the layers. So what I mean by that is, you know, uh, usually people see an issue as a, some sort of a problematic behavior, right? It could be, uh, you know, overeating or drinking too much or uh, not feeling confident enough or, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and that problematic behavior, they usually take for a for issue while in fact it's just a symptom of an underlying issue mm. so that problematic behavior uh, is fueled by some emotions and feelings that we feel that in turn is fueled by thoughts that we have right so there's there are so there are already three layers and most of the therapists talk therapists they focus on the top top three things right um, but then underneath those thoughts there are some beliefs which we already talked about um, and those beliefs you know quite hard to get access to if if not in hypnosis um, and then beyond those beliefs uh, there are reasons the root cause of that beliefs so there are like five different layers and some of them are symptoms that a person observes um, and takes for, for, for an issue and some of them are just not observable the person you know would not even think that they exist and i quite like working on all the layers because if you just work on the symptom 
while the effect will be very, very short term. I mean, it's when you give um, aspirin to someone who has pneumonia, uh, well, the effect is very short term, right? You really need to find the root cause and remove that for, you know, for the fever to go down and for symptoms to disappear. Yeah. So this, this is how I like viewing the problem. I always think of all the five layers uh, of any, any issue. I, I've, I've just noticed the time. Oh, we've been chatting for ages. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm conscious of your time and respectful of it. If people want to find out more about you, Katerina, and where, where, would, where should they look? Do you have a website that you could point people in the direction of? Absolutely, yes. Uh, so go to fullerlifehypnosis.com. Um, and uh, you will find uh, lots of information there um, about my method, about how I work. There are some uh, nice videos there about how our minds work, about you know what hypnosis is, etc. So there is quite a lot of information uh, to go through, and um, and obviously if if anybody is interested about uh, my services, they can absolutely uh, send me a message from the website and uh, uh, get in touch. Brilliant. Well, I think it's, it's been a fascinating conversation. So we talked a bit about this fear of missing out on goals. We talked a lot about the sort of negativity, positivity bias, which I think has been very useful. And actually you've given us a very practical set of techniques about just focusing, thinking backwards and forwards. And you've also talked a little bit about this idea of um, um, this sort of rhythm of mindfulness, the rhythm of self-hypnosis, which I think is a really, I think it's a really good point. And then you've also talked about these five levels. So I think there's been a ton of value there. And I think people can probably tell that there's, um, there's, a, there's a heck of a lot more stuff that you know as well that sits behind the sort of conversation we've had today already. Oh, I've just scratched the surface. Please invite me. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> it's a great subject once we get going. I know we could chat again. Perhaps we should pick this up at another time and you know, show people how a session works. Um, Absolutely. Well, look, hopefully people will have a look at, um, let me just check that. I've got that website written down, fullerlifehypnosis.com. And uh, Katerina Furman with a U is the way to find you on Instagram and Facebook and such like. And, uh, and I know you obviously professionally and, and know you're a, um, a very interesting person with lots of interesting angles and such like. So um, it's been thrilling really talking to you today. I've learned a lot myself. And um, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. We hope you found today's podcast useful. If you did, why not subscribe and listen to our other podcasts? We would love it if you could leave us a review. To access our resilience coaching, contact us at info at qedod.com. And finally, if you'd like to download our free resilience ebook, go to qedod.com slash free ebook. Thanks for listening.